Welcome to Boca Live, Boca Raton Magazine's first and only podcast, where you'll hear all about what to do, where to go, the best eats, and more in South Florida. Each week, you'll hear from us, the editors of Boca Mag, while we chat with the who's who of Boca and beyond about everything from wacky Florida stories to the hottest chefs to the biggest events. We're here and we're Boca, live. Thanks for tuning into Boca Live. My name is John Thomason, managing editor with Boca Magazine. One of the advantages to working at the most award-winning magazine in Boca Raton is that we are afforded inside access to some really interesting people with fascinating stories to share. Marcy Cava is one of them. For the March issue of Boca, which is on sale now, I interviewed Cava, a Delray Beach resident of many talents. She's the head tennis coach at Florida Atlantic University, and she's also a private investigator for a company called Downlow Investigations. On top of that, she's a former officer for the Boca Raton Police Department. Kava promised to reveal the inside scoop on the life of a modern-day police officer in Boca Raton, debunking myths about a quota system for traffic tickets, discussing how female officers are treated in what remains a male-dominated profession, and even exposing some corruption within the department. You can read snippets from my conversation with Kava in the March issue, but the only way to hear the entire interview is right here on Boca Live. Now, fair warning, Kava occasionally uses salty language, so as they say, listener discretion is advised. Without further ado, here's Marcy Kava. Do officers have quotas? They don't have quotas. Everybody likes to think that they do, but at the end of the month, your supervisor wants you do, to do like an Excel spreadsheet. So on that spreadsheet, it shows arrests, misdemeanors, felonies, traffic tickets, and it just goes on and on. So you don't have to give out speeding tickets. Just pulling somebody over and giving them a warning ticket is enough in itself. And did you tend to do that more often than going straight to the ticket? I hate I hated giving tickets. I hated doing traffic. Um, I probably pulled over, I would say, 30 cars a night, but not because I wanted to give out tickets. It was my, I had to have a reason to pull somebody over to see if they're up to something bigger. I see. Do, 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 do people tend to regulate their speed after they get a warning? Does it tend to work? I would say it works. Yeah, I mean, even me, since I'm not an officer, I got pulled over and I, I re- realized I had that oh shit moment like, whoa, I was going a little too fast. You know, yeah. I think it's a little bit of a wake up call. Yeah. And you don't always need to go to tickets. Mm-hmm. Do you, t- do you typically pull over cars that are going way faster than all the cars around them? Or if let's say everybody is going 75 when they should be going 70 or 80? Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me, A, I would never, motorcycles are the worst. I never pulled over a motorcycle because if I did, Boca, you, you can't chase. So you just stay away from motorcycles. Um, but I would say I'm, I was always looking for, at the driver to see, sure, they didn't turn on the right-hand turn signal. I could, it's easy to find a reason to pull a car over. But I wanted to see, is the driver acting su- suspicious? Mm-hmm. You know, like if I pulled up, when I was driving a marked vehicle, if I was at a red light next to another driver and they didn't look over at the cop car, it, it's odd. Most people look over at a cop car because it draws attention. Um, whereas if you're up to something or you're guilty or you have something illegal in the car, it's like, don't look, don't look, don't make eye contact. Act cool. But you can't act cool when you're That's trying. That's a tip off. I see. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that certain colors, such as red cars, are pulled over more frequently than more placid colors. 
Is that true? I would say they do, but that's only because it catches our attention. It's not intentional. It's just the yellow cars, the red cars, you see it, you know? And if you're going to put huge rims that spin and lights underneath, you're going to attract attention. Mm -hmm. That's why all the undercover cars, they don't drive red. They have to drive silver, white, or black. Hmm. Now, Boca kind of has kind of an older demographic. Does that mean that there are less problems with crazy speeding? I mean, are there problems with people driving too slow under the speed limit? No. Um, I would say just because it's an older demographic, there is just as many problems, if not worse, in Boca with the driving and with criminal activity. It's just not blunt. It's not right in your face. Whereas if you go to Lake Worth or Fort Lauderdale, it's in your face. You can see the hookers walking down the street. Boca, mm. you don't see it. you got to work harder. Right. I can see that. Yeah. Um, and uh, how do most cops drive? Do they speed with impunity because they can't get pulled over? Uh, while they're in a marked car? Yes. Yes. I mean, it's. I would say it's one of the perks of you're not going to get pulled over. You always have a reason or something to go to. So you have an excuse. Um, so, yes, I would say that we're mindful of how we drive in a marked vehicle because people are looking at us and we don't want complaints, especially because since our cars have numbers on them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you can get away with a lot. And so you do get complaints occasionally. Yes, we get plenty of complaints, especially in Boca. Like even, you know, if you don't smile the right way walking into a bagel place to pick up a bagel, there's people calling in to complain. You can't do anything without getting complaints. I think people are bored. Bored? Yes, I would have to agree. And um, we live in this new world where just everybody feels that they can complain and bitch about everything. Well, it's the world of Yelp. Everything, everything's reviewed now, yes. even police officers. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if you're pulled over, what is the preferred tack to take it, to get out of a speeding ticket or to get away with just a warning? So I'll tell you, if you ever get pulled over by FHP, you can pretty much bet everything that you're going to get a ticket. Um, if you get pulled over by a motorcycle car, cop, that means that they're part of the traffic unit and they love giving out tickets. That just that's their high. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get out of a ticket. But your best thing to do is, if a regular cop pulls you over, make eye contact, be respectful, and don't come up with some bullshit excuse. You know this that. I, I mean, every cop is trained to see if you're lying, mm-hmm. and so that I think that just gets under our skin. It's really irritating. Versus, you know, if you just got pulled over and said, "Gosh, I just didn't realize I was going so fast. I lost." I lost sight. I was thinking about work or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honesty for me was the best policy. It's that's worked for me too. Yeah. I, and I don't have to pretend to be nervous because I am when a, when a couple. Yeah. It's, it's just, just it's just natural. Yeah. Yeah. My hands kind of shake on the wheel. And, and that's yeah. totally normal. Is there <laughs> a uh, is there a, a race problem in policing from your experience locally in Boca Raton, are you more likely to get pulled over if you're black or Hispanic? No. I, with my experience there, there was no issues with that whatsoever. Um, I would say as a cop, you know what areas have more crime. So 
whether you're black or white and you live in that area, you're going to get pulled over because that's where the cops are supposed to be, where the crime is. Mm -hmm. So no, I never saw that. I would say I saw a lot more of people pulling the race card. The second you walk up to them and say, pull me over because I'm black, right? I got that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about sexism in the police department? Did you encounter any of that? Was it a male-dominated department? It's definitely male-dominated. But for me, I expected it to be a little... I expected it to be bad. I didn't claim to think that I could fight or be the best shooter or be the strongest individual. But the one thing that I had different from the male police officers is that I'm not, if you look at me, I'm not intimidating. I use my words and I could calm criminals down. So I think the male officers relied on me as much as I relied on their strength. They relied on my vocal skills. Mm -hmm. So there was, there's always that asshole that, forgive me for cursing, but there's always that asshole that doesn't think that women should be in police work or didn't like the fact that I didn't cut my hair, chop it like this. But that, I mean, I feel like that's in every job. You're always going to have something. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always just not going to like you. What about pay equity in the police department? No issues. Oh, that's good. It's all the same. Yep. You mentioned uh, firing your weapon. Did you ever have to fire your weapon in five, five and a half years? Uh, I didn't. Uh, the closest I came to it was actually... Uh, still haunts me to this day. I was pulling over a car on 95 um, on the ramp at Glades Road and as I pulled the car over the windows were tinted and all I saw was a black gun being waved around and I had my firearm out and my finger was on the trigger and I was ready to shoot and I saw a little kid's face. It was a five-year-old that had a fake gun that looked perfectly real and there was a little orange tip at the front but I couldn't see it from my standpoint or the tint on the window. I was literally a quarter of a second from pulling trigger and I would have been justified, but that was, it still haunts me. I would imagine that's how fatal shootings have happened with toy guns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we could say what you want about gun control. There should not be toy guns. I agree. (laughs) We should not be like fostering this among kids as a thing to play with definitely not realistic looking either right super soaker is a little little different fine (laughs) yeah carry an orange nerf gun all day long but not a black or gray or green no sure gosh and i would imagine for for officers Mm -hmm. that do have to fire their guns it's a traumatic experience uh yeah it definitely affects everybody differently and they give you enough time to be able to cope with it and see a therapist and so forth but i think all the officers that go into law enforcement expect at some point that they're going to have to shoot their gun. You just don't want it to be a scenario where like this, like where, right. you're, where you're wrong and nor do you want to be, have to be tempted to do that. It's not fun. Absolutely. No, uh, you mentioned in your pitch to us that there were instances of rule breaking in the police department where that should have led to firings, but didn't. Yes. Uh, tell me about that. Now, are you going to use names? No. Okay. Uh, So if you want to go, like, I'll I'll start with one story. Like, for instance, you had a really nice officer 
she was working a detail at the Boca Raton Resort, and I believe the president, it was a presidential debate, whatnot, but it was huge security going on there. <clears throat> she went to the restroom and left her firearm on the toilet seat and just left mm. and went to go do her job, which is to protect whoever was there, which I understand mistakes happen, but what's ironic about it is about six weeks later, she got promoted to be in charge of firearms training. Mm. Okay, and then you have another individual who shoots his firearm by accident while he's drinking in the bathroom of a bar. Oh my gosh. Then a few years ago, he was involved in a fatal car crash on Federal Highway going twice the speed limit. And if you, know, if you go pull his file, it's, it's like, who do you know? How are you still there? Mm-hmm. It's, for me, it's a liability. Now, I haven't been there in some time, but there's instances like that all the time. Like you have another one supervisor falls asleep every night on duty and he's your supervisor. Yet he writes up people in his squat like all day long. It's comical. Mm-hmm. You know, you have those kind of things that go on, but that's office politics. So why aren't they properly reprimanded? Uh, you know, I was never in behind the closed doors during those decisions, but I would say to you know, when you have connections higher up and they want to protect you, they'll protect you. Uh, did any of this have to do with why you left? You know, I, I loved working at the police department, but I got into the job because I wanted to make a difference and, you know, change somebody's life, clean up crime. And I had all these ambitions, but I realized as I was there year after year, no matter how hard you work, it's never, it's, it's like job security. It, you're, you're not cleaning up anything. Our system is crazy. It just, the way the sentences that they do and jail time, it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I personally, my final reason why I left is because my husband, he um, used to work undercover narcotics and somebody in jail paid $10,000 to have him killed. So, um, you know, we moved out of the house and I just realized, is, is this really all worth it? You know, I, I can't remember what the guy did, but he, all he did was, I'm not saying all he did, but he committed a burglary. Unfortunately for him, it was like his, I guess his seventh or eighth offense and he was going to do a lot of time in jail and he didn't want my husband to testify. So we paid down and killed. Did you have to go to witness protection or something like that? Change names? Um, no, we just we moved out of our house just in case they were able to figure out where we were living. But I, hmm. we were able. Most officers cover up their addresses and their mm-hmm. registration. Everything goes to the police department for those hmm. type of reasons. So we moved out. Our families um, got alarm systems, and we went to go stay in a hotel and. We didn't know what was going on, but they did have somebody undercover in the prison system looking it up, and they were able to um, stop it before, obviously, anything Mm -hmm. happened. Uh, Do you think that generally uh, across the nation, because of all the the police shootings of the past few years, that officers in general have gotten an unfair shake in the media? 100%. 100%. I... 
you know, I would say there's always the one out of 40 officers that got picked on in high school and then all of a sudden gets this sense of power and authority and abuses it. Maybe whatever you may think by writing few, too many tickets or just being an asshole. But for the most part, I would say officers, they, they're in a job to help. Sure, it's fun to arrest people and get rid of crime, but yeah, we just because of one bad seed here and there, I think we have a horrible reputation in general. It's unjustified. And how is the private investigation business different from police investigations? Um, are there overlapping tactics or protocols from your old job that also apply to private investigating? I think essentially everything I learned in the police department really helps me do my job now as far as how to do mobile surveillance and follow people and disguises and blending in and knowing how to lie and believe my lies when I'm saying it. I, I learned a lot. But the part that sucks is that when I see, let's say, for instance, I saw a man buying cocaine the other day. Cocaine or heroin, I'm not sure what it was. Mm. I knew what he was doing, but I can't do anything about it. You know, and by the time I called police and they get there 10, 15 minutes late. So it's frustrating mm. that I see drug deals and these kind of things all the time. I don't have any power, but again, I made my choice to leave. Mm. So mm. Um, it makes it more challenging. Are those drug deals part of the investigation you're working on or you just see them on the street? Uh, for the most part, I would say it's 50-50 because you sit in your car, sometimes for eight to 10 hours a day, you see a lot. Um, but a, recently I've been seeing a lot of drug deals that's what I'm there for. You know, I have like the usually child custody cases, husband or wife hires me to follow the other to see they have a feeling that they're doing drugs or up to no good. And that's how it comes mm -hmm. about. You mentioned disguises. Uh, how are some of the ways you've disguised yourself? A um, bunch of different wigs. I have every color, um, hats. I have a little fat suit sweatshirts, you know, different makeup that I can throw on really quickly. And every time I leave to go in the car, I have about six different changes of clothes, whether it's a bikini, I have, to, I have a gown in there, um, baseball cap, and I have um, 13 different cars accessible to me. So wow. it, it just all depends on what neighborhood that I'm going to be in. You know, if I'm going to go be in Woodfield, I need a nice car. Um, so... I'll drive right. in it, you know, anything I can do to blend in. And uh, are, are infidelity cases, is that, are those common? They're very common, and it's probably the case that I hate working the most. Um, they're easy to work, but at the end of the day, whether it's a male or female, usually the, if the females hire me, I warn them, do you really want to know? And what are you going to do if I find out that your husband is cheating? And I just don't think people are prepared mm -hmm. or want their significant other to be cheating. Um, and I don't like working them because if I find something bad, it inevitably turns to me like I'm the bad guy, you know? And They shoot the messenger. Yeah. Yes. That's why I hate being involved in that kind of stuff. Is it sort of like in the movies where you present the client with photographs of the the husband or the wife entering a place and then exiting a place? Or do you have actual shots of, 
of the act itself. Usually actual shots of the act itself, because if they're living with each other, sure, they may go to a hotel, but it's more like on their lunch break, they're going to a parking lot and having sex in the car. So that I can shoot very Classic. easily. Yeah, like Patrick Park, they go into the wooded area. You know, yeah. so I just make sure I put on my running clothes and or I, or I carry a leash like I lost my dog. So mm. if I get caught, you know, I'm there for a reason and I don't scare them. Uh, do you have tools like tiny pens disguised as cameras, that sort of thing? Yeah, I have. Uh, there's so many different devices now that they make out there. So, yeah, I have like little buttons that I use. I use hunting cameras. Um... What else? But, you know, it's funny. I think the best tool that I have is my iPhone. That's it's, right. This little thing can do everything. It's awesome, yeah. And, and you blend right in. You can't tell you how many selfies I've taken like this in the gym mm -hmm. to catch, you know, the male and female pretty much going at it in the gym, and I need to get them in the background. Yeah. <laughs> what what uh, insights have you gleaned about why spouses cheat? Boredom. I think they're just bored, and it's... It's exciting to have that butterfly in your stomach kind of moment. But what people don't realize is that after the fact, when you get caught, if you really love your significant other, that butterfly in your stomach that you get afterwards for getting caught is probably the shittiest feeling you could ever have. And people just don't think of what if. And now in this day and age with cameras everywhere and audio, you can't get away with anything. Thanks for listening to another edition of Boca Live. For more on Marcy Cava or to enlist her services, call 561-843-1806 or visit downlowinvestigations.com. You can subscribe to Boca Live through the Apple Store and listen to episodes online at bocamag.com.